The following audio is from Restoration Southside Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where our mission is to restore people and places through mission, authenticity, and sacrifice. For more information, visit restorationsouthside.org. The scripture reading for this morning is from Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Ben talked about wonderful counselor, then we'll do today, mighty God, and everlasting Father, and then we'll see Prince of Peace. These four very special titles that come to Israel. Now, to give you some backdrop to what's going on here in this text is essentially Israel is being told, you've messed up too much. You've taken it too far. discipline you, punish you for your idolatry, for your evil ways. That's why there's this darkness, this heaviness to the passage. And just as he's delivering the hardest of the news about the fact that their worst enemy will get to carry them out of their home that they've longed for forever, for so many thousands of years, they're hearing this news, the bad news to an end because of the good news of the Savior. And that's what this text is about. Darkness, feeling so heavy and wearisome, and yet light rolling in. Maybe you're in a season where you feel darkness. Life hasn't worked out exactly as you hoped it would. Your job is not as exciting and wonderful as you hoped that it would be. Your Relationships with your family are strained. Your relationship with your spouse is broken. Maybe you're wrestling with disease or illness. And the dark is just so heavy. You don't feel like you can keep moving. That's exactly what the Israelites feel. And 
questions that stay with you as we continue our study in Titus and the end of the letter. so ago with Thanksgiving, we had my brother and his three kiddos come into town, and Caroline, his oldest daughter, looked at me and said, when are we going to play hide and seek? We need to play hide and seek. It's a very sweet tradition, and now the kids have kind of caught it. And so we spread out in my house, we send somebody back to the guest bathroom, we close the door, this post counts as 15, sometimes as much as 33, 16, but they count and everybody's scattered. In the first couple of rounds, we play with the lights on. And so basically, as soon as they say, ready or not, here I come, they walk out and they're like, I see you behind the chair, I see you behind the cushions and couch, yes, I see you right here in the closet. And the game's over very, very quickly. People are all having a good time and it's fun. Then after we do a few rounds of that, we turn off all the lights in the house. Except the finder is allowed to use an iPhone with a light on it. And so they'll walk around and it takes a little longer. You walk a little slower when you play with us, and you go to most of those same places, and you shine the light, slowly you begin to see the people one and one. Well, this last round is what we did, Aaron used to do growing up, and they would put everybody in the same room. So it's our playroom, imagine like a large living room. There is ten of us, all in this large living room, this large playroom, and we turn off all the lights, we close all the shades, it's pitch black in the room. I'm the finder. I have to give them time and then come back and there's no light at any point in the game. All the people are in the room. So that I'm I was just shuffling. You're so terrified things are going to drag your legs. And I'm just shuffling through the room and at first you check the outsides of the room start reaching up above you, kind of terrified that someone's just going to jump on you. And slowly you begin to find people, but it took just a minute or two to find everybody spread out in a white house, but when you put everybody in the same room in a dark and pristine room, I had found everybody but my nephew James, and it took ten minutes, all his nerves to come home and say, hey, I started to wonder if the game was ever going to end. 
center of the room and moving around the coffee table, and every time I get close, he would move around cutting me in two ways to his head. Shut up, Jesus. When you're in the desert, you get this sense of you don't know what to do with yourself. You don't know what to do with yourself. And that's absolutely where we find the Israelites in this text. There's darkness. Did you hear it in the text? Listen, again, there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You see, these people were walking in great darkness. They were supposed to be God's special people to bless the whole world, and instead they disobeyed. They went and found idols. This special land, do you remember the land that they were taken from out of Egypt and to come and have their own land? They were going to have it taken from them because of their sin. They were going to have it taken from them by one of their worst enemies. And even God was admitting to them that this is punishment for the way that they've been acting. These people are experiencing darkness all around. Friends, that's what Christmas can feel like for so many of us. It's just darkness. You don't know where to step. You don't know what to do next. Maybe for you it's struggling with infertility and you don't know if you're ever going to have a baby. Maybe for you it's experiencing the after effects of the death of a loved one. And you don't know how Christmas is ever going to feel the same. Maybe you battle with chronic pain and just like wandering in the darkness, you don't know what's next. You don't know if it will ever go away. Maybe for some of you it's financial brokenness and you experience this darkness by not knowing what Christmas for your kids is going to look like. Maybe it's mental illness. And there's moments of depression and anxiety that you think there's no chance they're ever going to live and you're ever going to feel happiness again. For all of us, it's those sad dreams. Those things that we thought were going to be so good, we thought were going to bring so much joy, and ultimately it feels like darkness. And we don't know if the darkness is ever going to end. Isaiah 8, 22 says it like this, Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will be struck with And that's what this text is saying. I know some of you here as individuals, I know you feel like you're struck with I've had people pass away that are close to me. We've had building contracts fall through. sometimes like darkness and gloom. And then there's this light that shows up. It's the hope that comes from God. How are we supposed to make sense of this? When we're wandering around in the darkness. Maybe we experience mighty God as powerful and mighty, but He's not that much good. Maybe we hear His mighty 
would you do that? Would you really care to know? Why wouldn't he fix you in that moment? We think, we see it, think it could be fun to think about and I'll be God. The problem is, is you have to have hope that that might, that strength is for you. That that is somehow serving a mighty God is going to pay off in your favor. And I assure you that Israelites, as they're hearing this news, that they're going to be carried off, that they're going to lose their heritage, their land, their hope, and feel like they're in utter darkness. And a mighty God feels very far away from them. Let's be honest in your own heart right now. Where does the mighty God feel very far away from you? One more thing, and I'll show you my illustration of why I say vulnerable. A 
baby is so vulnerable, it's so precious. And if something goes wrong in the delivery, if something goes wrong at home or in the emergency room, that's it. You see, a baby is so vulnerable and precious. And yet God chooses to send His Son, the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who spoke into being creation, the one whom all things hold together, He sends Him as a baby, helpless and weak and blind. And the reason that He does that is so that you would understand, that He understands just how difficult things are for you. He knows what it's like to feel weak. Do you feel weak? He knows what it's like to feel helpless and vulnerable. Do you feel helpless and vulnerable? He sends a baby so that you would know how much He gets your own vulnerability, your own weakness. If He sent a hero or a warrior in that sense to come for us, we would say, wow, that is really powerful, and that's pretty difficult. A mighty God comes as a baby to bring you the comfort of His presence, that He knows what it's like reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way to be a faithful sacrifice. You see, Israel was expecting a warrior to kill the lion, to take the victory away. The baby is to bring comfort, but God knows what it's like to be vulnerable and helpless. And so when you feel vulnerable and helpless, know that you're not alone. Jesus has been tempted in every way, yet without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be vulnerable. And you know what it's like to be vulnerable. Accepting all the trials and tests that we fail, we pass every time. Every time we disobeyed, He obeyed. Every time we lost hope and faith, He clung to hope and faith and He followed. All of the sin that we ran to, He ran away. So you're supposed to be comforted by the presence of a baby because he knows what it's like to hurt and to feel weak and to feel vulnerable, but he made the right choices for people who didn't make the right choices. Part of what I want you to do is to think of what he does in this phrase that he uses. The two paths of all this life that lead to life. There's a place of discomfort, but in his vulnerability, First of all, the mighty God comes as a baby to bring us comfort. Second of all, the mighty God runs to love. He runs to love. Look with me in verse 5. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle's turmoil, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Look here with me in verses 3 and 4. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as the joy of the harvest is there, glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. 
John has the honesty to speak up and say, Then I saw in him the right hand of him. He sat on a throne of scroll of both sides, writing on it, with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming, proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? Essentially, what the scroll is, is all of history. It's all of the galaxy's history. It's every hurt, every wound, every suffering, every sin. And they're standing there in heaven and they're looking for someone to open it to make sense of the wounds and how she had losses. And she said, no matter what, this is never going to make sense to me. And they're standing there in heaven and they're saying, who can make sense of all of this history? And listen to this verse. He said, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth can open the scroll or even look inside it. And John is honest here and he says, and I wept. And I wept. Because no one who is worthy to open the scroll or look inside, he's saying no one can make sense of this. So John weeps. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he's able to open the scroll. So he turns to look to see you, who can make sense of all of your pain and mine. And he says this, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Standing as if it had been slain. This is heaven, God. Why don't you clean that up? You've won. Now you can show him gloriously radiant. You don't have to show him like that anymore, but honestly, in heaven, when we turn to look, we see Jesus the Lamb standing as if it had been slain. And what that does is it signifies your suffering. It says this is the kingdom of loss and suffering, and those who have lost and suffered are welcome here. Because look at the hero. He's standing as if he had been slain. You see, our God wins. He wins a baby. Our God wins a baby. And our God comes lastly shows that he's mighty because he actually wins and loses. He shows what kind of God he is by coming and being judgment and I know those words don't mean a ton to us, but do you remember the 12 tribes of Israel? The 12 tribes were representative of the people of God and they were ghetto and naturally and bedless. They were the ones who immediately began to disobey God when they came to power. They immediately picked up the Canaanite practice joined in to idolatry. It continues through this. The people who are most responsible for the judgment that is coming for idolatry. But that's where he says, I'm coming. And he does that for you and for me. And those places that you thought, if there is anything in the world that I'm ashamed of, it's this. And it's never going to get any better. And if you've ever seen God work, it's because He's 
generations who remember specifically that as they were in one cave in Gehenna, praying unto God, they took down the stags so that he could squeeze them a little bit further. And he said, even as you did it, you shall have something to eat. It was when the human trout showed up in the restaurant in Nazareth that they tried to